earlier this week, I had the incredible privilege of being in Louis, South Sudan. It was on December the uh, 22nd, I think it was, of 1920 that missionaries from Scotland first came to Louis. They were some of the first missionaries in South Sudan. They came down the Nile River. Uh, they were together with some other missionaries near the Nile. And then they went uh, west until they reached a place called Louis. It was a hard, hard journey, many days, uh, until they finally wove through all the mud huts and reached to Louis. No believers there. And as was typical at that time, they would go and meet with the chief and see if they were welcomed. And there was a chief named Yilu there who received them and, and welcomed there. And as the missionaries uh, began to get settled, they started sharing the gospel. And they were there about 15 years uh, before the husband passed and roughly another 10 before the wife passed. They gave their lives uh, for the gospel in South Sudan among the Moru tribe. Fast forward a number of years, about 40 years, and the gospel went to a guy named John Tanamamuru. By that point, the church had grown, uh, the gospel was moving. John Tanamamuru had gone uh, to Louis to receive medical care. He heard the gospel, he was saved. He went back to the Jewer people, whom we now live among, and that's how the Jewer people heard the gospel in 1960. Well, fast forward to this week, the centenary celebration of the coming of the gospel to Louis, a hundred years. And I sat there in the midst of the largest crowd I've ever seen in South Sudan. To my eye, it was thousands of people, just a sea of people singing and celebrating the gospel. All these pastors, all these church leaders, the president himself sent a delegation to be there. It was a massive celebration of the hundred year coming of the missionaries and it was utterly remarkable to me. Thinking back on what that scene must have looked like a hundred years ago with no believers at all to where it is today, truly incredible. And so I've often thought about Dr. Frazier, the missionary, and his wife, and how Dr. and Mrs. Frazier, they're covenanted to the Lord to be faithful to his calling, even to give their lives to it, and how they must have prayed and yearned and longed for the Moru tribe to come to faith in Jesus, if only they could see what God has done. You know, we all have this craving in us for our lives to be used for God's glory, for God to do something meaningful through us. We want our lives to count. And all too often we hear these radical stories and we think that when God works in power like that, it's just because he, he touches someone, gives them unusual gifting, uh, uh, an, an unusual calling, an unusual anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he just does what he does. And then sometimes we begin to struggle and, and wrestle because we feel like, well, why, why hasn't God chosen me? Why hasn't God done something through me? We just want God to do uh, something spectacular through each one of us. And, and part of that is good and right because we want to honor and glorify the Lord with our lives. And 
And part of it's tough, you know, it's from this culture, our culture of the States that tells us that our lives have to count for something. So we try to accomplish something rather than just resting in what Christ has already accomplished for us. We are secure in him. We are safe in him. We don't have to go out and prove anything. We just rest in what the King of Kings has done for us. And we are faithful to him. I, I, I don't know if I can explain this well, but, but let me try. I had this fear that for us as, as Westerners and, and particularly Americans, as if we are so busy trying to accomplish something for God, we're not as good as just resting in God. And while we're so busy trying to accomplish something for God, we get upset when God doesn't do something greater through us. Meanwhile, God is just waiting for us to rest in him. And as we rest in him, he's just gonna do what he wants to do. It's almost as if we're trying too hard on our own strength to do something for God, rather than just resting and dwelling deeply, deeply, dwelling in him and letting him do what he's going to do. Maybe a simpler way to say it is, so often we're so busy trying to do something for God than just simply walking with God. And in the midst, he will do what he wants to do. And when I think back about those early Scottish missionaries, I just think, how much must they have prayed and just gone to war uh, for the South Sudanese people and just rested deeply in God. What sort of obstacles did they face and, 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 and suffering and, and hardship? And maybe they weren't seeing much fruit at all. Certainly nothing compared to today. But it would have been that dwelling deeply, that abiding in Christ that really did something through them. It's interesting to me that our last passage of 2021 is Luke chapter two, verses 36 through 38. The end of this Advent series, it's almost as if God is just wanting to pull us back to the basics, which, which really for me over the last 10 years of our journey together as a church has been something that's rebounded on my heart again and again and again. If only we as a people can just dwell deeply, deeply in the Lord, in the word, in prayer, and in worship which is such a challenge for us in our fast-paced world, our busy world, where we're not very good at just sitting still, meditating, reflecting, and resting in God. We, we have this feeling of needing to accomplish something. Even our Bible reading gets to be that way sometimes, doesn't it? It's like, oh, I've got to read a certain amount, or I've got to read a certain number of chapters. And I think there's just this call of God just toward quiet and peace and, and rest. and and. And it seems to me, if, if I could suggest this, it, it seems to me that all too often we're a bit better on reading the scriptures, maybe a bit better on singing worship songs and, and, and maybe worshiping through that than we are just deeply in prayer and, and, and abiding and, and just just sitting in God. And so as, our, as we look ahead to our fast on January the 2nd, I, I am fired up about this. Our, our three-week fast annually comes every January, I keep just having those words through my head. What am I fasting from? What am I fasting for? Who am I fasting with? Those three questions we ask as we're looking ahead to every January, praying for you and praying for us as a church, praying for me and Shauna, 
Allison, Timothy, and Titus, what it's going to look like for each of us together and individually as we're fasting. I love that this is a, a family service today. And, and for many of you kids, students, youth, I'm so excited for you all too. And, and we warmly invite you to join us as we're fasting and praying going through the month of January, whether it's fasting from food or, or fasting from from something else, can be fasting from anything that God lays on our hearts as, as adults and, and as students and, and kids, as we are just really leaning in on the Lord. One of the things I'm praying for is, God, I just want to dwell deeply with you in 2022. I don't want to go out and try to do things on my own stream. I don't want to get ahead of you. I don't want to be behind you. I just want to walk with you. I just want to faithfully walk with you. And today, in Luke chapter two, we're gonna see the epitome of that. So all of this is a preface to an amazing lady named Anna, who is going to demonstrate for us, just in three verses, demonstrate for us a life of faithfulness, a life of dwelling, a life of abiding. When I read this passage, I think, oh, if God would just give me five minutes with someone who just dwells with God like this. What an amazing experience that would be. Just that type of, of nearness to God that we also crave. Look at this, verse 36. There is a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. Okay, a little bit of a backdrop in case you haven't been with us in recent weeks. Now, Jesus was born and they took him to the temple ritual custom uh, for the Jewish people. Uh, we heard about Simeon, this amazing encounter uh, with Simeon. And today we're hearing about an amazing encounter with Anna. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through Simeon, uh, which you can pick up earlier in chapter two, and today working through Anna. Now, Anna was a prophetess, um, in, in other words, a female prophet, someone who could who could, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have a sense of what was to come. Uh, we see uh, through the scripture so many prophets, Old Testament, uh, New Testament, even after the life of Jesus, you have Philip. Uh, the Bible tells us he had four daughters who prophesied. There would have been uh, sort of an, what we could call an office of, of prophet, someone who was, who was known to walk um, in that sort of sort of office. It, you could think of Ezekiel, you could think of Jeremiah, Isaiah, the major prophets or the minor prophets like Hosea, Joel, Amos, and, and, and all the others. And then you can think of those who, who walk in a prophetic gift. Um, so many who are, are illustrating prophetic gifting, and, and, and we've seen a lot of that in our Hope family through the years. And here is, is Anna, a lady who has really deeply abided with God and walked in this gifting um, that, that God had, had given her. So this sets it up. She's a prophetess. So as we go through this passage, we'll have a sense of what the Spirit is speaking through her. She was advanced in years. <laughs> Verse 36, that's a very kind way of saying it. She was advanced in years. She was getting a bit elderly, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She was only married seven years and then a widow until she was 84. All those years as a widow, and, and it appears, as best we understand this passage, that she used those years to just lean in on the Lord, lean in on that, that time with Him. What I love is that 
there's no hint of bitterness that leads to a rebellion from God. So common in our, in our culture, when we feel like we've gone through some type of hardship and we turn it back on God, like here with Anna, if she was to say, well, I was, you know, only, uh, only married for, for seven years and then my husband was taken and God didn't give me another husband and you, you know, and her heart became hard, but instead it was if she just leaned in on the Lord. She, she just spent that time uh, with him and I long for that. I, I worry sometimes that there are proclivity to bitterness against God is robbing us of the nearness that God has for us. In in Volo the other day where we live in, uh, in, in, in South Sudan, there was a tragedy that happened and a guy died uh, in the river. And they um, had his funeral and, and all of that. And I was talking with a family member and it was so powerful to me. He said, you know, we're deeply grieving this tragedy. It's a, it's a shock. It's it's so tough for us, um, but we know God is good and we are trusting that and we're trusting that his plan, it was God's time for him to go. And he said, in the midst of all of it, we're just praising him. It, it was, it, I hadn't even asked, uh, you know, uh, for that type of response. I was just expressing my grief with them. And, and that's what he said to me. And it was just such a balanced sense of, yes, we're grieving, but we're trusting. We're leaning in on God. We know he's over all things. We know he's always good. We're, we're grieving deeply. It's a tragedy. It's a shock, but, but we're resting in him. And there was not an ounce of bitterness, not an ounce of, of hardness of heart, not even a question of that, which is so typical, I would say, of of the culture in South Sudan and many places in Africa, just a deep sense of abiding trust in, in who God is. And, and that allows for a freedom to experience a nearness with God. And I, I pray for that for, for our American culture. You know, every culture has strengths and weaknesses on, on all sides of the water. But this is really an area where praying deeply for our American culture, that God will remove our proclivity towards that bitterness and instead just draw us into, God, we just trust you and we just want you and we just wanna lean in on you. That's exactly what Anna did with her life. She lived as a widow, verse 37, until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. That's just so stunning to me, I think, in the midst of a world where we're always thinking about what we have to do, you know, the task list, we've got to accomplish this and accomplish that. She just sat. She was just there. She didn't depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. If you've read through the New Testament before in the Bible, you might remember a story about Mary and Martha, where Martha's busy working, 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 moving around when Jesus is there trying to host him and care for him. Mary just sits with him. Martha complains, Jesus, won't you tell my sister to, to help me? I'm so busy over here. But Jesus takes the moment just to delight in Mary and the fact that she paused and she sat with him. And I wonder here at the end of 2021, if God isn't just inviting us to pause, just pause deeply. And maybe that's something we fast for and pray for in our January fast, that God will enable us to, to experience a, a, a new rhythm 
of pausing in life where we just stop and we're still before him. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She loved God. This, at least the way I'm reading it, was, was not fasting and prayer that was forced or imposed or you know, somehow she had to do it. You, you, at least for me, I just get this picture of her just loving God, just yearning, yearning for him. Just fasting and praying with worship, just exalting him for who he is. God is so amazing. I heard this story of, of missionaries that really convicted me. They were out sharing the gospel day by day, this team of missionaries. Few were coming to faith. They weren't experiencing much happening, but they were witnessing hard. They were, they were busy, busy, busy morning and night. Finally, they reached this point where they just began to feel the stirring of the Holy Spirit to prayer. And so they started devoting every half of every day to prayer. And they began to think, well, what's gonna happen? We're, we're only out sharing the gospel half as much as we were. But for half of the day, they would share the gospel and then they would, I mean, they would pray. Half the day they would pray and then they would go out and share the gospel and things exploded. It just exploded. It was just such a move of the, the Holy Spirit. And, and we got to be careful in that because the risk in that is thinking that prayer is just our formula. As in, if I spend half the day in prayer, all these things are going to happen. Well, that's up to the Lord. That's, that's not up to us. But that half a day in prayer is, is indicating, Lord, we need you. We love you. We are dependent on you. We're worshiping you. We're delighting in you. We're trusting you. All of this is by your power. And then as we dwell and abide in you, as you've called us to do, then you'll go and do what you want to do. Oh, Hope family, I feel that. Just this, this yearning of God. Lord, I want more of you. I want that time with you so bad. I want, I want more time in your word, more time in prayer, more time in fasting. You know, one of the things that's really been on my heart, I, I would say probably the last two to three weeks has been just this deep, deep call of God towards fasting. And for me personally, it has been a conviction not towards just the January fast, but but beyond that, that long term. I think, you know, three or four years ago in our hope journey, I was doing sort of a, a weekly fast, you know, a meal a week or whatever it looked like uh, together with uh, some of the brothers in our discipleship group. And I, I've just really felt stirred of God just to lean in again on on a longer term fast. I just want to invite you to join me in that if, if that's something that God puts in your heart. N nothing elaborate or, or dramatic, but just, just a way of reflecting week by week by week. God, we love you. We love you. We need you. We worship you. We're dependent on you. We're hungry for you. Do whatever you want with us. I'm so stirred by Anna. Now, I don't know how you feel. I'll read this passage. I just love her. I just love Anna. I just want to, I just want to go give her a gentle hug and just say thank you for how you love God. What an incredible example she is to us. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, 
she began to give thanks to God. Remember, Jesus was there with his parents. She began to give thanks to God and speak of him, of Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. They were waiting. There had been these prophecies of a Messiah who was to come, the one who would fill all the promises of the Old Testament to Adam, to Abraham, to David. He would be born in Bethlehem. He'd be born of a virgin. He would be killed one day. But he would install a new kingdom, this glorious prophecy. And, and at the time, the Jewish people were being oppressed by the Romans and they were desperate to see some great military conquest by the Jews that would liberate them from this oppression. God had something far better in mind. It was not a physical liberation, but a spiritual liberation, a redemption, a redemption. And that's what she began to speak of. A redemption of Jerusalem to all who are waiting. Those who are there just hungry for God to move. And here, Anna the prophetess who walked deeply with God, saw Jesus and knew by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the moment. That was the moment they'd been waiting for. 400 years since the last prophet Malachi, for 400 years they had waited, just ached and, and groaned for God to speak and move and fulfill this promise. And, and for Anna, she was married seven years. Her husband died until she's 84. She waits in the temple. She's fasting and praying and worshiping, and leaning in on God. And then on that glorious day, Jesus appeared, a little baby, a tiny little baby just carried in in the arms of his mother and father. And Anna knew because she abided with God. She walked with God. She was so close to him. I personally don't think she would necessarily have known if she hadn't had that abiding. I think there are probably many of us have gifts like maybe the gift of prophecy or other gifts that are are somehow untapped because we don't have that abiding, that deep abiding that, that just breathes air into that gifting. But Anna did, she was walking with God so deeply, fasting in prayer and worship day by day, did leave the temple. Then as a prophetess, maybe a sense that God's gonna do something, God's gonna do something, but she certainly knew on that day, this is the one, this is the one. He's the one we've been waiting for. Coming up at that hour, she began to give thanks to God. Isn't that amazing? Her immediate reaction is worship. Oh, God, you've done it. You've done it. You've done it. We thank you, God, you've done it. And to speak of him, of Jesus, to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You might be with us today, and you've never committed your life to Jesus before. We'd love to invite you to do so today to follow the tug of God on your heart as he longs to draw you to himself. Our world is so broken and messed up, has been from the beginning. All you have to do is just look at the news at night. You can see that. All the trials and tribulations and troubles that we face. From the beginning, the first sin from Eve, from Adam, and then all throughout time, we've all sinned, we've rebelled against God. That's created this fracture, this brokenness in our world. But God loves us so much, he sent Jesus. This was his love for us. He sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, a perfect substitute 
the sacrifice for each one of us who would believe in him and trust him. Repent of our sins. Turn away from the things which we have done. Call upon God to save us. Trust him entirely with our lives, our future, and our eternities. And then he just draws us to himself. And he is with us. And he transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, our Lord Jesus. And we'll live in eternity with him. That's our glorious promise for all of us who follow Jesus, who want to encourage you, invite you to do so today. And I'm so thankful, Hope family, that we have this eternal hope, that what Anna saw on that day, we will continue to celebrate from now through eternity. Let me ask you to stand. Let me ask the prayer team and the music team to come. Whether you are a guest or a covenant member with us, we wanna invite you to come forward in just a minute after I pray. Our prayer team would love to talk with you, love to pray with you, anything that's on your heart. Maybe it's your relationship with God and, and, and who he is. Maybe it's a, a deep desire of prayer for somebody else or, or for yourself. Maybe it's physical healing that you're a longing for. Maybe it's a, a trial that you're dealing with, a, a relationship or, or something else, whatever it is. We'd be absolutely honored uh, to get to pray with you and, uh, and, and to get to call upon the great God who loves us and cares for us and is over all of us. Let's pray together. Father, what a just amazing joy. I just feel so happy just reflecting on Christmas and, and who Jesus is and how he came for us and what you did through Simeon and, and today just this focus on Anna. What a gift she is to us. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Anna's life. I just feel so inspired to love you more and pursue you harder and dwell with you in an even greater way just by seeing her life. And what a moment, speaking about the redemption of Jerusalem, to all who would listen. We want to have ears that listen today, God, and celebrate your redemption in our lives. The way that you save us from our sin and give us an eternity with you. We celebrate you. We celebrate you. We thank you. Even as Anna, she saw Jesus immediately began to give thanks. And today, as we reflect on Christmas, we just give thanks. Father, we worship you and we thank you for what you have done for us. The true meaning of the season. Jesus, who came as a baby, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and changed our eternities. Father, I pray that you'd move now and you would stir as we come for prayer. You would touch us, draw us to yourself, move in miraculous power. God, none can do what you can do. And we pray that you would move right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you so much.